And it's the same thing with this. It's like the way that we're connecting, there's no babies being made. <laughs> to be consciousness babies. You know, we need to come together in a way that actually is giving birth to something new. Yeah. Welcome to another episode of Relationship Alive. This is your host, Neil Satin. Lately, my partner and I have been watching Sense8, the Netflix series that's about eight people from around the world who share consciousness with each other. It's all quite entertaining, a cool concept that leads to some pretty amazing action sequences and suspense. I'm bringing it up because on today's show, we're going to bridge the gap between science fiction and reality. We're going to talk about a completely different way to enhance your relationship than anything you're probably trying at the moment, and it will create profound connection and intimacy for you and your partner. Our guest today is Patricia Albert of evolutionarycollective.com. Patricia was an original member of the EST organization, which became Landmark Foundation, and has spent the past 45 years working with individuals all over the world on their own growth and personal development. As you'll hear in this interview, she woke up to the possibility that there was something special that could be created when people started working together, not just on their own development, but what happened as they focused on the consciousness that they were creating together, a shared consciousness. So, whether it's suspense, or action sequences, or plot twists, or more, what is possible when you and your partner are actually intentional about creating a shared consciousness, about waking up the space between you? You're about to find out. Patricia Albert, thank you so much for being here with us on Relationship Alive. Thank you, Neil. Thanks for inviting me. It is my pleasure. I want to start by just allowing you to give our listeners a brief overview, brief, of your story and how you came to the Evolutionary Collective and, and what your mission is with Evolutionary Collective. For me, uh, the, the short version is uh, when I was 18, I met a man named Warner Earhart, who was the founder and creator of a Landmark. Mm -hmm. known as Landmark or Aston, you know, back in 1971, uh, there, you know, transformation was a word associated with butterflies. It was not a word associated with people's lives. And, you know, the coaching schools kind of arose out of the work that we did. And, you know, many of the different kinds of, of work, you know, Catherine, actually, Catherine Woodward Thomas, who I know, you know, um, had worked, you know, inside of that organization a bit, as well as I did. So that was where I started. Um, and I worked with him for 12 years and worked with, you know, tens of thousands of people and was trained to lead groups and was given like a ridiculous opportunity as a young woman um, to, to learn so much about, you know, people and how, how people's lives transform and how groups work. You know, because almost nobody gets to work with a few hundred people every night of the week for like 12 years. Right. It's like being a beetle in Germany, you know, where you got to, you know, where they were performing like, I think, seven days a week. So um, there was an incredible amount of, you know, I loved it and, you know, and, and learned and obviously, you know, became very successful at that. And then uh, 
shortly after I left working for them, um, you know, I had a baby, uh, my son, and then a few years later ended up getting divorced and met this mystic, you know, this beautiful German man um, who was very involved in, in a very deep spiritual path. And, you know, our stars collided for sure. And we fell deeply in love, and it really took me on a whole other journey. Um, he was, he was, he was never interested in being in a normal state of consciousness. I mean, ever. You know, he would get mad at me if um, I woke him up and started talking to him too fast. You know, I mean, he he was wanted to bring his consciousness, you know, of where he was when he was sleeping into the into the moment and into the day and. And so he was very special that way. And what happened, the short version is we, uh, for four years, and he died at the end of the four years, um, we entered into not only like the most extraordinary love affair, you know, we were in a, like a, a dual awakening, like something had taken over and we were being taken um, by love itself. And experiencing things that I, that I can't even explain uh, for four years and when he died, um, he was in a car accident and then later um, was brain injured and, and, and died about a year, year and a half later. It was brutal. You know, I mean, I, I had experienced a consciousness that was shared with him. Mm. And then you have the horror of losing your lover. But it was also we were in a state of consciousness together continuously. We were always inside each other. And so I didn't know how to be in the world. I mean, it was really very uh, extreme. And so I continued to teach. I was working with people and, you know, just kind of work, working through my own grief and, and the difficulties of that. But at some point, I just missed him so much that I longed to go into that place of love. Like we were in a state of consciousness and love that was so exquisite that I started to experiment with how, would I could, how could I bring my groups there? You know, how could I bring other people into that space with me? Mm -hmm. And it started to happen. It was pretty cool. Like, you know, I, it was, I was fascinated to see that you could actually do that and they weren't your lovers. You know, I could do that with another woman. I could do it with, you know, people that you don't have the, you know, a sexual attraction to and that kind of um, physical intimacy. And, and so I did that and, you know, I continued to work with people and it was sort of something I did within the groups, but the groups are always focused on people's individual work, which is what groups are always focused on. And at some point about 10 years ago, I just got, I was just finished with working with people's individual process. Not that I, you know, I, I love people and I, you know, I, I love people's growth and development, but it felt like I, we've been doing it for like 40 years. And like, what was the next edge of consciousness? You know, wasn't there some other possibility? And and then I began the Evolutionary Collective, which is a combination of the consciousness that Peter and I shared, and then the recognition that at this time on the planet, um, with the internet and seven billion people, and you know, there's something driving us to connect at a much more profound level. It's not so much about you know hyper individualism, and so I've been experimenting there, and that's the source of the Evolutionary Collective. So the work of Evolutionary Collective and what you're doing with people is all about how you take it 
take a step beyond the individual that work that we're doing to grow, to become more actualized, and to see how we can develop interconnectedness and a new kind of consciousness that help me out here. Well, there's here's the thing. It's 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 kind of, it's a, you know it's it's good we have an hour because it's a long conversation. There's development. I mean, you know, you think humans develop, right? We we have different kinds of ways of developing, and one of the things that's been happening in the last you know a few thousand years is our individuation is is been monumentally developed. Mm-hmm. You know, people thousands of years ago, you know, didn't think about themselves or feel themselves or know what they wanted or i mean even in the in the middle ages you know you you would just go into a a tavern they would just give you the food that was there you couldn't order something i mean that that was that was developed you know after the french revolution where there were a lot of chefs from the the houses of the nobles kind of free running around and they actually had them begin to make food specifically for people wow and now, you know, we think about it, you know, Pandora knows what I like to listen to. I mean, every single <laughs> thing is, is so individuated. I mean, we expect it. We expect to go and have a latte with soy or this or that or light. Or, I mean, there's the, the level of precision for each person is, we're be, you know, we, we're assuming, um, you know, that that's sort of natural, but it's a huge achievement. And I know, you know, you've, I know, done work and, you know, so many millions of people have been doing work on themselves and they can sense themselves and there's a real beautiful precision to who we are and who we want to be and how we want to express ourselves and how we feel and, and all of that. So I, I, you know, I bow down to that and have, you know, done my, I think my share of, of helping to facilitate that movement. At this point, though, if we continue in that direction only, and especially the people that are that have kind of fought for, you know, their own sense of self and and their own individuation, we become very narcissistic. Mm-hmm. And the planet at this point does not need seven billion people that are completely narcissistic. I mean, that's the last thing we need. Right, makes sense to me. Right. So. <laughs> You know, and 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 everywhere you go, even in um, it's interesting. You know, there are these uh, you know leadership things that that have to do with you know spiritual leaders. You know, people coming together that that everyone respects and honors. And even when they come together, as beautiful a people as they are, there's a certain kind of space between them that's not awake, that's not ignited, that's not being maximized. It's still a lot of individuals expressing who they are into the space, but not making something new in the space. Mm-hmm. It's like a lot of individuals being together, but not making any babies. Right. And so what my work is, is to just to, to work with the people that are, you know, not that they're done working on themselves, but, you know, there's a certain amount of, okay, already, you know, like I, I know what my purpose is. I know this, I know that, you know, you want to start to find out what's beyond that. And so, we're experimenting with how do you activate this consciousness between us and what are the possibilities and the potentials of walk, you know, a shared consciousness, a shared creativity. Um, and by going into that, what it seems to do is it further activates what's possible for people individually without them having to um, 
kind of lift themselves up by their own bootstraps. You're, you're available for a larger orchestration. You know, yeah. you're surrendered to something greater that actually is happening in concert with others. And a lot of us, even if we have our own thing, you know, it gets lonely. Even if you're really good at it, you know, there's something about wanting to come together with others in a different way that we don't know yet. We don't know how to do it yet. That would be phenomenally um, satisfying and also what the world needs. Yeah, and I'm reminded of something that I read on your site about love. And I, I think you talk about love as a demand and mm -hmm. the difference between a love that is that where we feel unconditionally supported by someone and cared for and, and it's kind of this love without attachment kind of thing that mm -hmm. people in many ways are striving for in their relationships. And then there's this other kind of love that is actually asking more from you. Like it's asking for you to grow and it's, and it, it's a kind of asking that, can only happen in relation to another person, to another person calling that forth from you. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's one of the things that um, in the teaching, you know, what people realize is we talk a lot about work with mutuality. You know, mm -hmm. a lot of the work that we're doing individually is it's like you need to, like if, if I'm working on myself and I'm in relationship with you and you're being difficult, right? You know, usually it looks like the other person's being difficult. Um, what my job is, is to try to work on myself and try to unconditionally hold you and find a way to be with how you're being. But that's very separate in a weird way. I'm over here trying to work it out. It doesn't depend on us together. Mm -hmm. And so you have to have, you know, this sort of very strong ability to take responsibility for your own, for yourself and for you know, holding the other person and not blaming people and, and not, you know, sort of being in that completely dependent position. But then you have to move beyond that and start to do the dance of, of influence, of mutuality. Because if I think, you know, then, then the dance is, if something's not happening, we're both going, well, exactly how are we affecting each other? How am I influencing you when I hold back? How am I influencing this relationship? How, you know, am I in a relationship where you're sort of ambivalently committed? And instead of me working on myself going, well, I just need to be okay with that and da, da, da. You know, it's like, I'm, you know, what about the two of us? You know, what about working with the ambivalence so we can actually create something where there's a bit, there's two yeses. Yeah. And so, you know, it takes it to that next level and then beyond, um, which is, you know, calling each other forth, you know, when you don't do it selfishly, when it isn't just about, well, I want you to be some way for me. And mm -hmm. so I'm demanding that you be that way, which doesn't do much of anything, but just make the other person resist. But when you are really being um, a mouthpiece, uh, an expression of existence, and I am, I see you and I'm calling you, I'm calling forth like, the God that you are, you know, the, the fullness that you are into this world, like something starts to come through that doesn't get, that does not come through unless it's invited and welcomed. And that was one of the things I learned with Peter. He was relentless. I mean, he was amazing. You know, he wanted me. He wanted who I was. He wanted my beauty. He wanted my depth. And he just wouldn't, 
settle for anything less. And I found that exhilarating. Now, some people might not like that, but I, I was just like, okay, you know, like I just would want to give from the deepest place in my soul. I'd want to give him everything. And I'd never had anybody want the full, you know, everything from me. And I think most people have not experienced that someone wants your totality. Can you give me a specific example of like a time that happened and how that, how you felt that shift in, oh, like this person actually wants that, like that, they want me that, they want that much of me or that fullness or? Oh yeah, well, like, I mean, he did it all the time. So, um, oh, here's a, here's a fun story. Is uh, one time we were staying at this beautiful place in the Hamptons and um, we were sitting and we loved being naked all the time because we were completely crazy in love. And he was sitting, leaning on a couch, eating some pudding. And the way he ate pudding was meditatively. He would like put it in his mouth really slowly. I mean, it was, it was wild, you know, the way he did everything. And so I'm watching him and I'm sitting sort of a little bit distant from him. And I start talking to him and he's just eating his pudding and I'm like chattering away. And then he looks at me and he goes, he goes, okay. So he goes, come sit next to me. And I said, why? He goes, just do it. Just come and sit close to me right now. And I'm like, oh, okay. You know, and I come over and I sit next to him, you know, and I can feel his body and we're real close. And then all of a sudden he says, now, do you feel the way you feel right now? And I said, yeah. And I, I had melted, you know, like some part of me had relaxed. And he said, if I had let you stay over there and have the conversation, which seemed perfectly innocent, he said, we would have been in trouble in another 10 minutes. And he said, you know, I, I, and then he just pulled me in close and he started to kiss me and put his pudding down, you know, it was, <laughs> you know, and I was just like, and then he just pulled, it was just like that he noticed that he noticed the detail of like the, the exchange that was happening between us and that he wanted what was real and what was possible was like the sexiest thing in the world. And, you know, all I wanted to do was to, you know, to then give him everything. Mm. You know, he just, it was a demand. It was a certain kind of like, I, I'm not going to settle for, you know, like I, I hear that and then I want a little bit more. I want a little bit more. You like until, until literally I could feel like the most divine expression of beauty show up through me that I had never even known was possible. And that is what happens if you if you love each other that way and you learn how to be in that dance. You, it isn't just the depth of who you are. It's almost like like the divine itself starts to show up through you. Because there's a place for it. You know, somebody's actually kind of worshiping at that altar. You know, I mean, there's actually some reason to show for the amount of sacred gorgeousness that's possible to show up. And most of the time we're just, we just, you know, we don't even kiss consciously. You know, I mean, you know, those throwaway kisses where somebody kisses you and then they go to work, you know, you're just like, really? <laughs> what was that? You know, I mean, was that even worth doing? And so we had that, you know, I mean, I, I, it, there was a quality of, of wanting and staying awake and actually, you know, calling each other to be real and deep and, and to actually live like 
there is like you don't know if you're going to see them after work. And I'm glad we did that because when when he he died, I had him fully. Do you know what I mean? It's like I wanted more, but there was no regret because he had had he'd been given everything and I had received everything from him that that could be, you know, was remotely possible. Mm. Yeah, can you talk a little bit about what's required of us? I'm thinking about that invitation to your partner of like, I want you to be the biggest, best, most divinely inspired version of yourself that you can possibly be. I want that. And and at the same time, it feels like there's a certain trust and that's required in order for that and this um and a devotion to what's real and not trying to not trying to be something right well the mutual one of the practices that came out of my um you know successfully sharing how to enter into the space that we were in Mm -hmm. together um so that i could teach other people how to how to go through that portal, like how do you access that? And it had a lot to do with how do you align yourself? You know, there's a certain kind of alignment that when you're facing each other and you're actually aligned that way, then then the space opens up. So, you know, one of the things is um, there are like eight different principles. And one of the principles is mutual engagement. You know, you actually have to fully engage. You can't be doing it halfway. Mm-hmm. So in the practice... It's a really simple practice, and it takes about a half an hour. Um, and one part of it is, so if you and I were doing a mutual awakening practice, we would be sitting across from each other. You could do it on Skype or on, on telephone too, but it's nice to do it in purpose. On, sorry, not on, in person. Um, we would be facing each other, looking into each other's eyes, you know, finding the connection. And then I would ask you the question, what are you experiencing right now? Very simple question and where it's done from is that at that moment what you would do is rather than looking inside yourself like to you know what kind of body sensations or feelings that you have you you kind of lean forward and you lean into the emergent moment like what's just emerging you know what are you just noticing in your experience in this moment so you're kind of just touching it and it could be anything, and it and it needs to be very um, not conceptual, you know, like really sensing into the exactness of what's there, and not telling any stories, but just kind of touching it, touching it, touching it, which is a very intimate way to be in the present. What I would be doing is to instead of being over here in myself listening to you, I would literally put my consciousness so that I'm inside you. So I'm like inside your experience as you're inside your experience. And that would be the practice to keep learning how to not be just in my own self-concerned little bubble over here and learn how to literally go inside you. And people can do that. I mean, not just psychic people. Anybody can do it if they, if they practice. So I become one with you and you're becoming one with the experience that's just unfolding. Um, we do that for 10 minutes and then we switch and then you're inside me. And I'm inside my own experience. And then for the last 10 minutes, we, we let go of that entirely. And then we're just kind of in the space that's, that, we, that we are, that the we is. And we begin to experience and express 
like I would say, okay, we're experiencing this kind of soft, kind of thoughtful, you know, it's moving a little bit right to left, you know, kind of sense, right? That's the way I experience us. And then you would say, okay, we're experiencing. And then I would say we're experiencing. And it's amazing. By the end of the half an hour, people are somewhere else entirely. Mm. And you are so close. Do you know what I mean? It's like in just simple thing like that, you learn how to enter into each other and into the moment so that you're not two separate selves. And you do that, you know, in the Evolutionary Collective, we have like an ongoing group of over 100 people and there'll be 200 this year um, that are working this way and they're working with partners like once a week and it's crazy. I mean, it gets so, I mean, people get, fall so in love like with the, whoever it is they're working with, you know, it could be, you know, it, it has nothing to do with, you know, a, a romantic thing that they, they'll practice with someone and when you give them a new partner, they won't let go of the one that they were practicing with so they end up with two. <laughs> <laughs> And it's just wild. You know, you have like over 100 people that are making these connections and learning how to be um, what I call the multiple beloveds. Like, I thought there would never be anything more, you know, more amazing than being with Peter. Like, mm. I just couldn't imagine how that could work. And and that was, a you know, it was painful for me, you know, to 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 not see where to go from there. And 10 years ago, when this started to happen, it was the answer. It was like, oh, I get it. I get why it happened. I get why I'm still here. You know, I get why, why it's now time for, you know, people to discover the multiple beloveds and that there's a way of being inside each other's consciousness that eventually will be the consciousness of human beings. It won't be extraordinary or interesting. It will just be the way we experience, just like the internet. You know, the internet feels normal now. Right. And it wasn't 20 years ago. It was wild. You know, it's amazing that you and I are talking on a computer together. Yeah. I think 20 years ago, I didn't have a, an email address even, you know. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. So it's this in, the internet you know, I-N-N-E-R, um, I assert, you know, the consciousness that we're innovating um, in, in the work that I'm doing is in this higher we, you know, is, is this new world of consciousness that will be the consciousness of human beings. It won't be extraordinary. It will be how we are. Mm. And it will make so much more possible because, you know, compassion um, really, you know, we'll be like a jazz band, you know, it's like that's flowing together and working together instead of, you know, how people show up with each other. There are so many directions. I feel like I could take this conversation right now. <laughs> um, let me start with something practical. Going back to the exercise that you described, what are some hints that you have for someone um, who's trying to place their consciousness in the in their partner how how can like that seems i mean to me in my spiritual practice not huge but i'm imagining that there are a lot of people listening here thinking what is she talking about like yeah. <laughs> so work, right yeah 
Well, here's the here's the crazy part is well, first of all, there is a a free seventy seven page ebook about mutual awakening, which will give people even a little bit more context and clarity. Mm-hmm. And if they just go to mutual awakening dot com, they'll they can download it for free. Um, so that that's one thing that helps is mostly and I and I do so, sometimes also free calls where people can get online. And within, we have Maestro Conferencing, so we literally put people together and they get to have this experience virtually on the phone with people they have never met, right? Wow. And they get their minds blown because it happens. It absolutely happens. I mean, I'm doing one on November 3rd, I, I told you, you know, where I'll talk about it and I'll give people an opportunity to do, it'll probably be more like a 20-minute version of it rather than 30. Um, but reliably people enter into sometimes the most profound intimate kind of consciousness that they've ever experienced it's pretty wild so what happens is is how to do it there's something about just telling people to do it and then giving them the right opportunity to do it they find it i mean Mm -hmm. most of the stuff that i teach people doesn't make sense until you do it. Sort of like it's this nascent ability that you didn't even know you had until someone said, do this thing. Yeah. And then you're just like, what? And then you do it and you're like, oh my God, I actually saw that or I felt that or I started to cry just before they said that thing that was sad or, you know, it's kind of crazy. I mean, people have really wild um, experiences. Someone will say something that they were just experiencing that morning, you know, when they were looking out the window I mean, all of those kinds of, you know, what seem to be sort of psychic, uh, I don't know what you'd even call it, because it seems normal to me now, but sort of an intuitive things, that consciousness opens up through this and starts to become normalized. Mm. And when you're, just like with a lover, I mean, with someone you're really deeply in love with, if people have ever had that experience, you're kind of with them all the time. Yeah. I mean, you're always with them. You feel them. You know, you kind of know what's going on. We're developing that consciousness with like 100 people, right? Um, And so the people are living inside of the development of this consciousness. So then as they're moving about in their lives and with their lovers and friends and children, you know, their consciousness is very um, all-pervading. Like it actually is incredibly sensitized and attuned. And it makes your relationships quite different, actually. How would, what would a person notice, do you think? Totally. No, they, they feel felt. I mean, my son, who um, lives in L.A., and, you know, obviously, uh, he's a DJ. He's not into doing this kind of stuff, right? <laughs> Even though I'm his mom. Um, we went to uh, Paris and Amsterdam. Like, he was willing to go on a vacation with me, which was great. And... I noticed like I was just being with him. I had two weeks and normally with a grown son, you know, you don't get that much time together anymore. Mm -hmm. And I just kept feeling him so deeply, like in a way that I don't think I had ever really paid attention to him in that way before. And by the end of the, the time that we were together, something had melted. Like he just said, wow, that was the best vacation we've ever had. And I could feel him inside me. He was close. Like he had come inside me as well because I was with him. 
And it was sweet. I mean, I even do it with, I mean, it sounds crazy, but you can even do it with, with animals. You know, I mean, like if you're with a pet and you really have your consciousness merge, like they start behaving differently. Mm. It's pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to take a moment here to just uh, wipe my eyes from the, <laughs> the beautiful experience you just, just described with your vacation with your son. Um, getting back to the question of, um, and, and also I just want to tell our listeners that all kinds of information about how to do what you're talking about is available on your site, is available for free, and you have some amazing offerings as well to help people take this practice even deeper. And so we're going to give you a chance to talk about that and also all of this information, links to the important places will be available on my site and that if you go to neilsatin.com slash Patricia, P-A-T-R-I-C-I-A, um, then you can get all the links or you can text the word passion, P-A-S-S-I-O-N, to the number 33444 and just follow the instructions there. And you can download the show guide, which also will have all the links to Patricia's site, which is evolutionarycollective.com. So um, in that that space, just, just to like push, because I, I like your answer, which is just do it, you know, like, and, and yeah. see what happens. Um, and I like that. Maybe let me try a different question, different take on the same question, which is how would I know if I wasn't doing it? Well, here's the, see, it's back to mutuality. You need to have someone to play with. Mm. You know, most, most of what even you're asking is like, how do I do this myself? No, well, what I mean is when I'm with my partner right. and I'm putting my consciousness inside them mm-hmm. and I'm doing my best yeah. and just trusting my nascent ability to do that, how would I know if I wasn't doing it and I was just creating a story about what yeah. was happening? It would be hard to do that. Um, I mean, the the place to practice, you know, if you really want to have something happen is is to actually learn how to practice it together. Because then mm. you can actually feel each other and then there's the opportunity for feedback. Because mm. remember I said to activate, I mean, let me just say one thing. So sure. when Freud, you know, when Freud came up with the fact that we had an inner world and, and that our past and our history and stuff affected us, that was a very big opening in people beginning to explore their inner world. Before that, I don't know how much people were exploring their inner world. Mm-hmm. You can even tell on Mad Men, people weren't exploring their inner worlds. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, it was a certain consciousness, um, except for maybe at the end. And no, is, no spoilers on the show, yeah, no please. No spoilers. This is the inner, this, this inner world is a shared inner world. So all the work that we've been doing is you have your experience, Neil, and I have mine, right? And mm-hmm. we even learn how to talk to each other that way. Like, I understand that you're experiencing blah, blah, blah. And you say to me, Patricia, I, I think I understand that you're feeling blah, 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 right? And right. that's usually our relationship training to some degree. This is a very different phenomena. So this is about the two of us discovering how to be inside a world together, Instead of that, we're in two subjective, separate subjective worlds. It's intersubjective. Mm. And so the really, the way to practice 
any of this is to actually, and this is, this is a brand new consciousness. This is like, this is be like meeting Freud when he just started to work with like 20 people. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, there's no, you know, they didn't even know where to put, put psychology later when it was developed. It was it science. Was it this? I mean, right. this is really at the beginning. This is a very new consciousness of, of shared consciousness. And how do we explore that? And, and what are the possibilities of that? So, you know, my suggestion for people is, you know, get the Mutual Awakening book, you know, get a little bit of education about it. Maybe come and do one of these things for real live and find out what actually happens. It's not like, you know, the, the, the five tips to something doesn't really work with this. It right. What I'm what I'm hearing from you too is that yeah. it's through trying and doing it, and then offering feedback to each other on yeah. what that experience was like, and it's it's a process that takes you on this journey. Right. And you need you need to have another. You need you know the problem with this is we actually need each other. You can't well, do this by journaling by yourself in your apartment. Well, thankfully, that's why you're on this show <laughs> where we're talking about relationships. So yep. not everyone listening is in a relationship, but um, I mean, most people listening are probably in relationship with at least someone. It may not be a romantic relationship. And that's something that you're clearly offering here is that this is about an interconnectedness that isn't necessarily about having a lover. It's about right. that shared connect connection with all others um and with with all others that choose to really turn towards so you need someone who wants who wants to discover what's possible if you have somebody who's ambivalent or not that interested nothing's going to happen so so you really can't do this with just anybody you need others who it's not going to happen with the cashier at the gas station probably it won't Although there are those miracle moments, I guess. Sometimes. sometimes. <laughs> but I mean, this really does require, I mean, part of what my mission is, you know, you asked at the beginning is to gather the people on the planet that are ready to, to engage in this. So part of it is getting the word out to go, you know, because some people will hear this and go, I don't know what she's talking about. Not interested, right? And other people, like, they don't completely understand it, but they're like, ooh, you know, there's something really compelling about whatever it is that she's pointing to. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I'm, I want to know, like, I need to know, I, I need, to, yeah, I, I, I got to find out because the innovators are usually the first 1% of any group of people that do something. And innovators generally don't need a whole lot of convincing. Right. They, they usually don't even know why they're doing stuff. They just kind of have some kind of inclination of, I have to check that out. I need to find out what's possible. And, Can- this is kind of where that is. Yeah. Can you talk for a moment about, since this point has come up a couple times, how would someone's experience of this with, with another person who's signed up for the experience be different than doing this with their lover? And I, I'm imagining that most of the people listening, if you have a lover, you're probably going to be trying this with your lover. So sure. Yeah. Well, one of the things that becomes really very fascinating is as you become more skilled at being able to do this practice, just like when you meditate, you know, the first time you closed your eyes, you probably weren't in some profound state of meditation. No. 
what happens is, is as you begin to practice in this way with other people, you it's like wine tasting. You become a sommelier of relatedness. Mm. And you start to really go, ooh, Neil, like you're like a whole different like when we go into a depth together, there's a certain possibility there. There's a certain flavor. There's a certain something that occurs. And then when I do it with my friend Christina, it's different. When I do it with my lover, it's different. You know, there's, you start to feel that in relatedness, there are these different potentials. Like you really recognize that every relationship can't be everything. Like it, it actually has a very particular possibility. Like wine, like two grapes coming together. Mm-hmm. And it becomes more fascinating, and you become less insistent on trying to have relationships like fit what you want, and you start to realize like what they actually are and what each one can can become. So it is different. Sometimes it's easier. Interestingly enough, there are people, there are married couples that have like done this and they realized like they hadn't been in this depth of contact, mm. which is amazing. You know, someone you're married to, somebody you make love to, someone you're probably raising children with, and the level of contact has become very superficial. Yeah. And the depth of the we isn't growing. You know, the we is fed by this. You know, when you do this, it's like you're feeding the the we being you know it's kind of like there they like if you're something beyond the two of you um you know that begins to deepen and grow so yeah i see this as a really great step beyond when someone i mean if if we're lucky we master those skills of relating that you were talking about earlier where we can actually uh get out of just patterns of how we relate to other people or trying to resolve the unfinished business we have with our parents, you know, hopefully we resolve it, you know, with our partner and yeah. then, and get, and then get past it. And then there's this question of how do we, so now how do we deepen intimacy? So now how do we go to a place that's, that's totally different, that's ever expanding with each other? Yeah. And, and this seems like a pathway into that for, for me. It is. It is. It, it also is, too, since we're never wholly free. Um, it's also very powerful so that if, let's say, a pattern comes up, so let's say you and I are together and, you know, uh, you do something and I get angry or hurt. Um, we can actually, if we're skilled at doing this practice, we can turn towards the exact experience that I'm having. You know, the the hurt, the hot, itchy, whatever, you know, pressure that I'm feeling. And if you're inside me, feeling me as I'm feeling exactly what's there instead of what I think is wrong with our relationship, mm. it is amazing the healing that happens. Like it literally, within seconds sometimes, something that's been so huge will all of a sudden sort of like completely go through. And then you feel even closer. I mean, there so, were times with Peter, I would, you know, feel disgust or I'd feel something. And we would just turn towards it. Like we never, we, we were so interested in the truth. Like whatever was real was what we wanted. And we were very transparent in that way. That's one of the things that I teach people is how to, how to love the truth, which is kind of hard for people. And 
it just made it so that nothing ever was stuck. Like everything just kept moving and evolving and transforming in ways that we could never have foreseen. Yeah. Um, wow. Okay. So, so the, there's healing in it too. Yeah. Know? And That's so true. can you offer a little bit more guidance then about like, what would that be? The leaning in, would it be doing the practice that you described earlier yeah. in that moment? Is that yeah. When, when people, there's sort of stages when people first have to learn how to do the practice correctly, because there's so many different ways that the ego will co-opt what you're doing, you know, and turn it into something different than what it's actually designed for. So once people get pretty grounded in how to stay turned in the right way, then you can take on like when some really painful experience or something shows up, you have more capacity to actually be with that together without trying to fix it or change it, but by really being very intimate with what's there. Mm -hmm. And it's phenomenal, the power of what can transform. And therapists, I've actually, you know, I have a lot of teachers and therapists that, that come and do this kind of thing. And um, they use often some of the work that we're doing with clients very powerfully. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me. It doesn't yeah. surprise me. Yeah. Um, talk for a moment, if you would, about loving the truth. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's actually a state of consciousness. I mean, mostly people manipulate the truth. You know, they, they want what they want. They want to be seen a certain way. You know, they don't want other people's feelings to get hurt. You know, they have like a million reasons why being really with what's real and what's true is a bad idea. So we work through a lot of that, you know, because I think people have a, a lot of different relationships with, quote, the truth. Um, mm. And the truth isn't, isn't just an honesty thing. It's really a, a deeper, an ever-deepening intimacy with reality as reality continues to reveal itself because it's, it's never-ending where the truth can go. And when you're aligned with that, when you begin to realize that you want that more than you want what you want, or you want to look the way you want to look, or, you know, there, there's something that you're trading for <laughs> the truth, then what I call the optimizing force, um, or the dynamism of existence, or the evolutionary impulse, you know, the thing that, that brings everything into existence, what happens is, is that by being with the truth in reality, you're turning towards this dynamism that's always there. And when you, when you touch that, when you start to become one with that, then everything starts moving and changing and unfolding and optimizing in ways that, that no amount of, of manipulation could ever uh, make happen. And, and part of the depth of this is you realize that the ego, you know, the way we're wired, we're always manipulating ourselves. You know, well, I should be like this, I shouldn't be like that. And, you know, we're always talking ourselves into being some way other than the way we actually are in the moment. Um, and so, so there, you know, there's a, there's a big piece of work around that. And, and it's continuous because people are, are just, we're just wired to, to lie, actually. <laughs> we're just wired to lie. Yeah, and this actually has come up recently in my own relationship where we've realized really the, the power, sort of the anti-truth of the secret and, and how like a secret can can take energy away from actually growing and building and creating new things and and in a in a sense i feel like that 
like not acknowledging the truth is it can start so innocently and then it becomes this like cascading snowball of I mean you just used the word lie it's a, such a strong word but lie upon lie and suddenly mm-hmm. you're in t- territory that you probably hadn't even wanted to be in well it creates separation yeah I mean what the moment you're inauthentic um, in some way or you're shading it or you're you know squiggling it a little bit you know you you immediately become separate because if I'm lying to you if I have something I don't want you to know or feel I can't let you totally in can I right because if you come inside you're gonna find out you're gonna feel my attraction to somebody else or you're gonna feel whatever it is that I'm hiding right so you you are you, the moment you do that you're you've decided to stay separate and in a way you know for my money then the relationship actually isn't happening so i want to offer the people listening a little bit of guidance around this because that could be brutal too you know like you and so how do we prevent people from they they turn off the podcast and they <laughs> turn to their a partner and they say actually I'm dying to go have sex with so and so that's the truth you know like what's the well same thing I it mean, starts that, before that doesn't it yes that's why I, I think like that you know the three tips to doing something is pretty difficult to do responsibly you know on a on a webcast or on you know some simple thing where you don't have any responsibility for the people is it's a larger conversation you know, right. I mean, you, you need to pay attention to certain things. You need to come from the right place with it, you know, because the, the, you can use the truth to like bludgeon people, right. which is not the point, which creates more separation. So yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't advise anybody to do anything actually, um, you know, to, 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 <laughs> to, to get the right coaching or the right support so that you, I mean, that's one of the things that I think is, is I hope will change um, in the consciousness is, Everybody's doing everything very um, kind of lightly and prematurely and without enough thorough anything. Mm. And I, I don't agree with that. I don't think it's responsible. I don't think that, you know, what's possible has to be approached in a way that, you know, you can really have something happen. You know, using a little bit of this and that doesn't really, um, isn't going to transform your life in a way that's really going to matter. Yeah. Um, I'm imagining that investigating the we space with your partner, that that would be a good place to really start testing the waters of truth Mm -hmm. because that's it. You're dealing with what is happening right there in that experience. Right. Right. Yeah. But I mean, the same thing, you can have lots of different ways to be with a partner. You know, what's the agreement, you know, what, how are you oriented towards each other? You know, you can't even make any assumptions. True. Is your relationship based on growth and development? Um, is it based on safety and security? I mean, in, in the book that I've, that isn't published yet, you know, but I talk about Maslow's hierarchy, even in relationship to relationships. Yeah. So, you know, you can have, some people have a very, very basic relationship, which is about logistics and, you know, your house and eating and, you know, a certain level of sex. And, you know, it's kind of very basic. Right. You know, that, what I'm talking about happens like up in the actualizing and transcending level. 
Right, where you're focused on yeah. growth and contributing to the growth right. of other humans even more than your partner. Um, yeah. Right. You know, and if you haven't created safety, which is the next level up, right, you know, you, you can't really even be talking about this. Right. Because you have to create some really basic safety, self-esteem. Do I feel safe? Do I feel seen? Do they like me? Am I insecure? I mean, there's things that you have to deal with first before you can really um, go exploring in this area in a way that it is what it is. Right. And that's why I think we started off this whole conversation by talking about how this is really some advanced stuff and how yeah, yeah. this is what comes after you've done a lot of that personal yeah. growth work. It's true. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it's also if you need to sort of, you know, there and there's stuff on the site too. There are blogs and things people can read, but you know, anything that's developmentally more advanced is always going to be a little bit more complex. And so you have to approach it, you know, with a little more time and energy and resources and willingness to understand um, so that you can actually embrace it in a way that, that it will make a difference. So with that in mind, Patricia, could you talk for just a moment about what your offerings are like? And I know we, sure. we talked about even giving one lucky listener a... Um, a gift of your mutual trust course. So I'm curious to know what's the mutual trust course? What is what else do you offer? Sure. Um, and again, we'll make sure we have all this information and links to these things on our website for our listeners. Okay. Um, the mutual trust course is one of the eight eight activating principles. You know, I said about that activates this consciousness, mm -hmm. and obviously, trust is huge. Mm -hmm. And so, um, it's a four part course that talks about the three different levels of trust that are necessary um, to be able to really um, have this level of consciousness with another person. And it's, it's a really useful, very sort of practical, useful course, but also um, can really transform your relationship in a big way. And that's something you could do together, definitely. Um, so there's that. And then there, I mean, I think that the, the simplest things um, are to download the Mutual Awakening book, you know, uh, and and to come to do one of the free calls where you actually get to experience it. You know, the experience is always the most important part, you know, because I can talk for days. But when you actually have your own experience of something, it, it, it says something different um, for the people who and once every three months, I do a three hour virtual retreat, um, which costs some money, like fifty nine dollars or something. Um, and people then get a certain, like one of these, like one of the last ones was on sacred communion. It was sort of like these different d depths of ways of connecting with each other. Um, and we spent three hours and there were breaks in the middle where people did three different practices during the three hours. And I gave people new kinds of, um, ways to see things. Um, and we have people from all over the world do that. And then the, I think the most important one for, to me is the people who go, wow, this is fascinating. You know, I, I, I think I'm ready for something like this, or I don't know if I'm ready, but I'm still going to try it. Um, there's a three-day, there are three-day intensive orientations in person um, with me, two in San Francisco, one in New York um, in January, and um, there'll be one in December in San Francisco. And when people do that work, I take them to where this is. You know, I take them to the place in consciousness where 
you know, when they look around, they're like, oh, my God, I see it. I see the whole thing. You know, your life looks different. The world looks different. Working on consciousness looks different. Um, and you really get it. And from there, they have the opportunity to, if they want to engage with other people um, for a year, there's a year-long, uh, one that happens in San Francisco, one in New York, where they meet three times a year in person, and then we do a lot of stuff online and with each other. And those are really the pioneers. Those are the people who are really pioneering this consciousness, and we're discovering things um, beyond anything that I've already taught or um, experienced with Peter. It's pretty amazing. So um, people, that year only starts once a year, and it starts, um, it starts in January. So people have to do one of the three-day things before that. Otherwise, they have to wait for another year. Got it. Yeah. So if if you're listening to this episode when it airs, then definitely check out Patricia's site and see if one of those... It, yeah. it will be with plenty of time to make plans to, to hit either New York or San Francisco. And if you're listening to this sometime later, just keep an eye out for, for when the next one is starting. If yeah. that's something, it sounds like amazing, like an amazing experience and uh, like really profound work to be doing for sure. And amazing people. I mean, one of the things that people miss is who shows up for those are pretty amazing people. So you actually get to practice with, you know, people from all over the world who come to these things that are that are really at a certain level of, you know, wanting something that's next and, and are ready for it. <clears throat> Sounds really exciting. Yeah. Well, um, I may see you there. <laughs> great. I'd love to have you come. <laughs> um, Patricia Albert, thank you so much for being on today's show. I, I feel like my consciousness has personally expanded over the past uh, hour or so of our conversation. And um, again, for our listeners, you can find out more about her on evolutionarycollective.com you can download the book about mutual awakening on was it mutual-awakening.com and also on the homepage of the evolutionarycollective.com there's a place to click and and get the book great and yeah. likewise for a lucky listener if you've been listening within the first week or so of this episode's airing just text the word passion to the number 33444 or download the show guide to this episode, and uh, that will qualify you to potentially win the Mutual Trust course, which actually sells for 197 on Patricia's site. So thank you so much for that generous offer, Patricia. No problem. And uh, again, I really appreciate your being on today's show and offering such ways to deepen intimacy and I, and I know for sure because I'm the one who's had all these conversations so far that this is a practice that we haven't talked about yet so um, everyone I, I hope you heed Patricia's warning to tread lightly but please do explore and and let us know what it's like for you and and what you, and uh, reach out to Patricia through her site or to me through neilsatin.com thanks again Patricia for being on today's show you're welcome thank you and thank you for listening to another episode of Relationship Alive. If you like what you've heard and want to make it easier for other people to find out about us, please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast and to rate and review us on iTunes. 
If you have questions or comments or want to continue the conversation, you can always join our Relationship Alive Community Facebook group. And for more information about today's episode, visit us online at neilsatin.com slash podcast. Or you can always text the word passion, P-A-S-S-I-O-N, to the number 33444 for more information. Finally, do you have a burning question that you're hoping we can have answered here on Relationship Alive, either for a future or past guest? Let me know and I'll see what I can do. Take care and see you next time.